Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time this recording. This is episode 63 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with a large crew today, and we're talking strictly basketball, NBA in particular. Uh, Jonah, the mediator, introduce yourself, man. Good evening, fellas. How you doing? Let's talk some basketball tonight. Absolutely. Mar, introduce yourself, man. Yo, Carla, thanks for having me. Let's have a good episode. Absolutely, man. Okay, I'm glad you got here. Lodge, introduce yourself, man. What's up, everybody? How are you doing today? Yes, sir. Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going on, fellas? Let's get to it. Absolutely. Johnny, introduce yourself, man. Glad you're back. Hello, world. Just Johnny tapping in again. It's good to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. As I said before at the beginning, this is strictly basketball. A lot of NBA news and topics to uh, discuss and talk about. Recently, uh, we have our final matchup, the Celtics and the Warriors. Uh, some, some people had the heat, and, you know, honestly, I was surprised the Warriors honestly made it this far. I had the Suns going, but it is what it is. I'm going to swing it to Jonah now, the media for this episode. Let's get it, Jonah. All right, fellas. So the conference finals have just wrapped up. Three-seeded Warriors in the West eliminate the Mavs 4-1 to to go to their sixth finals in the last eight years. And in the East, the Celtics, the number two seed, take out the Heat four games to three and seven to move on in the East. So just flat out, I just want to get some first just thoughts, reactions. You know, were we surprised by these results? How do you guys feel overall? Kyrie, I'll start with you. Um, so I'm not necessarily replied, surprised by any of the results. Um, I definitely expected the, the Warriors to handle the Dallas Mavericks. I knew Luka Doncic himself wasn't going to be enough to take on that, that juggernaut that we've become so familiar with when in Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, even though he wasn't the Clay Thompson we know, um, throughout the entire series, Draymond Green, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and even Kevon Looney, who, was playing like a madman out there. It just really exposed the Dallas Mavericks front line and their lack of size and lack of physicality. Um, I wasn't surprised at all by the, how the Warriors finished that out. Um, I can't really say I was surprised either with um, the Boston and Miami series. I, I fully expected it to go seven games. Um, I expected Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to play really, really good, especially since uh, the Miami Heat were simply just beat up. Uh, you look at Kyle Lowry and how – bad he played he missed the first two games and when he came in he shot under 30 percent from the field and 30 percent from the line putting up just under 10 points a game and um he just didn't have his rhythm Tyler Harrell being out those two games um really hurt him too because that took away one of their best scoring options and uh throwing in Gabe Vincent who, who's a good shooter he's a good rhythm he's a good rhythm guy a good group glue piece to have he just wasn't that answer there and I it really confused me that Victor Oladipo didn't just get the start in those two games showing throughout the playoffs and um, towards the end of the regular season, what he could do and his uh, kind of new role with the Heat coming off the bench and not really being that, that main guy we've seen him be or that second or third option we've seen him be on, on teams in the past. So it was kind of – that kind of surprised me. And um, I guess one of the main things that I really wanted to harp on um, as far as the Miami Heat goes is just – at first I felt like it was Bam out of bio being played wrong. I felt like the Miami Heat were just using him wrong. But the more and more I watched this series, I just came to the conclusion that when this up, when Bam Adebayo is playing like a premier center, he 
he, he's not the same. He's not, he's not assertive. He's not aggressive and he doesn't look to get his own buckets and he's kind of just out there. And, uh, we've seen it in the, the previous series with the, with the Philadelphia 76ers when Joel Embiid missed the first two games. Bam out of bio put up back to back 20 point games. And then when Embiid comes back from injury, he pretty much goes non-existent. And we've seen that in this series too when the Celtics did have Rob Williams available. Rob Williams was just clogging up the paint and really just, he, he, he made Bam out of bio useless. That, like, let's, just, let's just say what it was. He made Bam useless. And, and Bam kind of knew that. He knew that he was going up a, an elite shot blocker and an elite rebounder. And, um, a guy that can move well in the perimeter just like he does. And he just does so many, he just does so many things on the defensive end. And I'm um, going to go along with guys like Grant Williams and, and Al Horford, who had himself a hell of a playoff so far. Um, it was just too much for him. And, uh, like I said, at first I felt like it was Miami not using him right. Uh, you can look at the stats and it, that kind of is the, that kind of is true when you look at the fact that Jimmy Butler took almost 50 more shots than him. And I get it. Jimmy Butler is your main option, but when you're playing a team like this, everybody has to get involved. Everybody has to play well and everybody has to contribute. And for most nights, that just wasn't what it was for Bam Adebayo, who I, I really expected to step up this playoffs. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me. I, I really am dis- I really was just disappointed with what I've seen from Bam. Um, again, I get it. They were gassed. Uh, they were dealing with injury problems. But hey, they made it a seven game series. If it weren't for how tight it was called, the refs kept the games called. And if it weren't for all the ticky tack fouls and just like the constant free throws, I felt like the series would have been a lot, a lot better, a lot more exciting. Um, but still for a seven game series, I can't complain too much. The Celtics came out victorious. They did really well. And um, I'm excited to see the, the uh, finals matchup between them and the Warriors. I think the Boston Celtics match up with the Warriors from top to bottom better than the Miami Heat do, which is why I think it's the better series. Um, Yeah, that's all, that's all I really got for, for the most part, for real, for real. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good final series. I'm, I'm really excited to see. I think that might go seven games as well. All right, now, Lodge. Would you would it would it be unfair to call the Heat, you know, a fraud as a one seed, or were they just really plagued by injuries? I wouldn't really call them a fraud, so to say, specifically the way they played throughout the regular season and started out the postseason. Um, like like you just said, getting plagued by injuries. You know, he had Kyle Lowry mess. I think he had a hamstring injury or, a, or like a quad injury, I, I believe. I believe Tyler Harrell just got struck with an injury, I think, game three, where he just started playing, where he didn't play at all. And I think he tried to play game seven, but he only ended up playing like seven minutes. Um, so, yeah, I really would say they were played by injury. But I do want to point out, while we're on the heat, the fact that they paid Duncan Robinson like $70 million, and he literally sat out for like two straight series. <laughs> because he couldn't. $90 million. $90 million. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, I tried to cut him short. My bad. That's even worse. So it's just like to me that that's a big factor more than probably even Bam and Tyler Hero. Like some people said, Tyler Hero may have played even before injury. He might have played inconsistent or on and off, so to say. But I feel like the bigger picture is the fact that they paid Duncan Robinson. I think the most bread. Well, honestly, he paid him before Tyler Hero, and and, and look what happened. So yeah, I think that was my biggest gripe with the Miami Heat. I feel like they went out on the shield. Um, talk about Jimmy Shot. I feel like after a while. I kind of was frustrated that he took the shot, but when I really realized what was going on, considering everybody was hurt, nobody was making shots that night, 
And really, I'm going to be honest with you, if that game would have went to overtime, I don't think Jimmy would could have finished out the entire uh, overtime and, and put, thug out the win. So I was, I felt like the shot was actually kind of, it, it was needed, you know. He, it was a good look, open shot. So, yeah, I feel like they went out good, but the Duncan Robinson thing really pisses me off. And if anyone can I just chime in, in, can I just chime in on that shot real quick? Because yeah. I really, yeah. I really did have a big problem with it, just because of the situation it was. Um, I get it. Jimmy Butler played the entire forty-eight minutes of that game seven, but in a situation like that, when you're coming full speed downhill at an Al Horford, a thirty-five-year-old Al Horford, I, I have, I'll say, and he has four fouls. I feel like you kind of got to try to force that. You you have to take that to the rim, pass him, either try finishing through him and getting the foul. Or finding Victor Oladipo, who was uh, who was running the lane, and Jalen Brown, you can see it. He was really he was ready to come over if Jimmy was to take that drive. He even said it in the in the press conference where he said when Jimmy took that three, he was kind of like, "What the hell?" He wasn't expecting it. He was fully expecting Jimmy to kind of to, to have his way with Al Horford and trying to take him to the rim and either get that in one, get the foul, or, or however it played out. But I just felt like he had more options than that three, and they had the time. It was just, I feel like it was just one, it was kind of not really a heat check, but like that, that hero moment. He, he really, he wanted that hero moment too bad, but he didn't have that, he didn't have the energy, he didn't have the stamina to kind of convert it. So I, I did have a problem with the shot. It's just while we're on the topic, I felt like he should have, with Al Horford, he gave him his fifth foul. And I, I do agree with Lodge though. If they were to go to an overtime, if that were to lead to an overtime, I definitely think Boston would have taken them on. But, you still have the upper hand where one of their main defensive acres, Al Horford, is going to overtime with five fouls. You could just hunt him out and try to X him out and, and you know, get him to draw that sixth foul and, and make him the focal point of your offense to attack him. So, yeah, that's just what I had to chip in on it real quick. I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the shot whatsoever. Yeah, it was odd. You know, they're only down by two. There was about 18 seconds left on the clock. They had plenty of time to just settle down and, I don't know how many timeouts were left, but whether there's a timeout or not, you have plenty of time to set a play up and just get to, just go to the basket. But I want to switch over to the West real quick. Um, the Warriors, you know, people were, I guess, complaining that the Warriors always get, you know, easy rise to the finals. And again, everyone is saying that the Warriors kind of just coasted through, they took advantage of injuries and whatnot. But I mean, this is six times in eight years now. I mean, they went through a really rough patch the last couple of years, but they're back. Um, they they just they dismantled the Mavs. They dismantled them in five games. You know, can they be stopped? And I, I want to send this over to uh, uh, Colin. Can uh, they be stopped? But can the Warriors be stopped? Uh. I mean, are they as good as we think they are, or is it just, you know, the competition in the West, just their path to the finals, you know, is just really convenient for them? Uh, I honestly feel like one thing the Warriors have over the Celtics is, you know, experience. Uh, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, Eagle Dollar, you know, experience, and experience has been shown time to time. Yeah, you know, uh, it comes in handy, you know, when it comes down to little coaching adjustment, plays, and et cetera like that. I feel like the Warriors, in my opinion, because they're a veteran, they've been through the weather and storms, they might pull 
and win, you know, this will be Curry's fourth championship. This will be Curry and Clay's fourth championship, right? That'll be their fourth championship. I think they it will be, yes, if they win. Their fourth championship. So, you know, if Curry does get that fourth championship, I would have kind of go back to what, uh, you know, Mar had talked about that, you know, in his eyes, he already thinks Curry is better than Kevin Durant, uh, which I was a little bit surprised by that. But then I started to think about it and I was like, you know what, what he said kind of makes sense. And if Curry does win this fourth championship, I think that kind of does, you know, solidify him as, you know, he's already was one of the all-time greats just based on his career and resume, how he revolutionized the game. But I think that'll kind of really cement that, you know. So, in my opinion, I think the Warriors are, you know, I think the Warriors could definitely could definitely win this uh, championship. I feel like they don't really lack anything in terms of bench. You got Moses Moody, the rookies contributing, Jonathan Kaminga, Otto Porter Jr., and then Jordan Poole, the most improved player the most improved player of the year, in my opinion, between him and Desmond Bain. So. All right. Now, Mar, I know you're a huge Luka fan. I know that's your boy. He he did everything he could. He averaged 30 in the series. It just wasn't enough. Do you think he was lacking help? You know, like, does he need more help around him? Or was the Warriors just too good of a team for the Mavericks? Um, I feel like he does need more help, but that wouldn't have solved it anyway. Because I was saying this earlier, the this, the teams that Luca played, with it being the Jazz and the um Suns, the the thing that Steve Kerr did differently is they played his own. They trapped him. They made they played him how they played Devin Booker. So. I mean, he didn't really get his same sweet to his to his sweet spot how he wanted to. He couldn't get the matchups that he really wanted. When he did get the matchups, Steve Kerr noticed it and automatically threw his own. He he automatically switched it. I knew it was coming. I already knew that was gonna happen. So I already knew. I was hoping he could do it, but I knew he wasn't gonna do it just because I knew Steve Kerr was gonna play him differently than anybody else. That's valid. Um, the Warriors just—they're <laughs> just too good. It really didn't matter. Um, Johnny, I want to finish with you. Um, just overall, your thoughts on both series, and I want to start predictions for the finals with you, since you're going last. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, hey, I mean, I'd piggyback on what a lot of you guys said as far as um recapping both series, both sides of the uh basketball on the East Coast side. Of, I, I I actually agree. I think the same thing you guys said. I think it came down to um, I don't want to say Miami. I don't think it was a too old thing because I I've, I've mentioned before how I'm a big fan of the culture that Miami builds. I'm also a big fan of the pedigree that Boston has. Um, not particularly with the players, but from the front office because I'm a firm believer in building an organization. It has to start from the inside out, and I think that these guys did the right moves like inside to make their team better outside. But Boston had like this slighter advantage I will I will agree with you guys as well I disagree with the Jimmy Butler shot mainly because that's just not his body of a player um I think he got caught up in the I will basically the same thing that Luka Doncic got caught up when he was trying to fight the Warriors he just um got caught up in not trying to play hero ball but I guess he figured that he can only trust himself in that moment didn't think right I do agree as well go to go to the rack and try to get something towards the basket and put some pressure on the refs as well as that. 
and also with Bam Adebayo. He's he you gotta you gotta put like you know he he sometimes he's on the milk carton when he's missing, and some in some days he's like you know first first guy in class, first guy in the seat. But he I, I wouldn't now it's hard to call him un- overrated. I I I feel like he uh, he steps that jump shot, steps that mid range jumper up a little bit better. He'll probably be, be like back to the caliber that we assume him to be. But I, I will say he was lackluster and he was like inconsistent in the playoffs as well, and that did get exposed. Um, now on the West Coast side, I I the one thing that mainly surprised me in that Dallas Mavericks Warriors series. I did too assume that the Warriors are gonna win. But it's just the way that they won. Um, I was looking at matchups, guys, and the one matchup that stood out to me the most was Dwight Powell versus Kevon Looney. And I maybe it's me. Maybe I underrated or underestimated Kevon Looney. I just looked at him as a stand up backup. I this guy made me pull up his file, man. I did not know he was a top thirty pick out of UCLA. This guy is a baller. <laughs> I understand they call him Looney Tunes, but I know Dallas is small. I thought Powell could actually hold his own against Kevon Looney. He's a backup big man. And even still, Golden State, that just shows you the type of depth and the type of understanding that Golden State has in their players. Uh, it, it, it that, that was probably like the most uh, very surprising standout matchup to me on that side. But I think where we are is where we're supposed to be. Um, I did have I did have the series going seven on the East Coast. I just didn't know who would come out of that, but I I believe that we are where we're supposed to be right now. But as far as these predictions go, um, this is tough, guys. I but like I, I'm gonna have to go with the Warriors against Boston in this final series. I I will be honest though, I do not know how many games, and that's only because the Boston Celtics have the best postseason road record this year, and Oracle. Arena is probably the has probably been been the toughest place to play this year so far. So I feel like um after the first two games we'll be able to gauge, but this is going to be a good series. I've got the Warriors over the Celtics. I just can't tell how many games because man, Boston dude, they're some, they they are gritty on the road. And I just want to make a note that the Celtics will have home court advantage as the two seed. The Warriors are the three seed, so. Just throwing that out there yeah. for your predictions. Actually, yeah, yeah, good point. That's actually point. And you know what's crazy? But my thing is, I always say with the Warriors, you got to beat them at home, bro. Clay hasn't missed at home in like a month. And it's you got to – Boston's going to have to take two. Not two in a row, but they're going to have to take two in a row just to be in the vicinity to be able to uh, handle this Golden State Warriors team. That's an excellent note to that. Yeah, the Chase Center is not quite – what Oracle was, Oracle Arena was was a, was a special place. They moved into a new building, but you know it's the same. It's the same crowd, same people, same Warriors fans. It's very loud in there, so um, it'll be tough for Boston. So, Lodge, I want to go to uh, go to you for your predictions. So, it's it's it's, it's going to be so. At first, I have it going. Six or seven going either way, but as of right now, you had to. If I had to really bet on one, I, I might have to go with Boston Strict, strictly because I feel like one. I feel like they're they're the better defensive team, like just top to bottom. Like as far even we coming down to their star players, Jalen Brown. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Steph Curry and Clay. 
I don't think Clay is the, the, the same defender he was three years ago. And on the other side, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, when it comes down to it, they are solid defenders. <clears throat> um, and as far as Kevin Looney thing, he had his shine in, in that Dallas series. And But to be honest with you, I think Al Horford, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, they're, they're all going to be on to that. I mean, he isn't. He wasn't really doing anything too unpredictable. I mean, they're going to be on that like 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 it's in their sleep. Uh, now the key for me is this Marcus Smart and the time he spent a down with his ankle. I don't know if that's going to swell up now. Um, hopefully he can play through it this series. I feel like he's literally, if he's not able to play, I feel like their, their chances are pretty much slim. All right, and uh, Mar, your pick. Um, got the Warriors in five. Five? That's interesting. Yeah, I got the Warriors in five because, just like you guys were saying earlier in the beginning, the Heat were banged up, and Boston slid away with that, and they were up like 17 at a point. And they slid away with it. So I just feel like them playing against a team that shoots more and is not is not afraid to shoot. They're going to definitely play team basketball. They're going to defend. They're going to rebound. They're going to do everything. So, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really think Luka was going to win the game. But he ended up winning the one. So I can see Jason Tatum winning the game. But I don't think, any, I don't think he's going to have any help. I just like the Warriors from well, top to bottom. Hey, hold on, Mario. You don't think he's gonna have any help? You, you know that you know what his help is, right? I just said I don't. So enlighten me. Jalen Brown is a help. No, no. Yeah, you got a question that consistency. No, 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 no. I don't want to jump in. I'm sorry about that. I thought I knew what he was talking about. I thought I knew what he was talking about because when he said no, explain the help. Yo, I agree. I agree. Jalen Brown, he he shows up sometimes. I totally 100% agree. Okay, but he as well. defense, he's a better defender than Tatum. So, you know, I mean, the offense will come because he could definitely go out and give you 30 and 40. Like, and Jalen Brown played – Jalen Brown played more efficiently than Jason Tatum in that last series as well. Yeah. He shot a better percentage from three. He shot 40% from three. And he only averaged one less point than Tatum. Right, Mar, yeah, please elaborate on it. Well, Jalen Brown is cool for 20 to 24 <laughs> points. He'll get you 25 and over on a good night. And I feel like if he gets that 25 and over, it just won't be that same game for Tatum. Because like y'all said, he was more efficient than Jason Tatum. They don't really, they don't always click on the same night. Yeah, they're and, not on at the same night. Yeah. But on the nights that they, on the nights that they do click, bro, is nothing you can that do. Could be, and a lot of, and a lot like of those nights happen game. when Jason Taylor they got to do it four times. It's like Jalen Brown definitely steps up when Jay, when Jason Tatum is. When the defense focuses more on Jason Tatum, they're throwing double teams at him. They're running him off the screens. They're yeah. playing physical with him. That's when Jalen Brown steps up the most, and that's when he starts snapping the most. He's been doing it the whole playoffs. I mean, Jalen, I seen Jalen, listen, man, I seen what Jalen Brown had, what, like 18 points one game? What yeah. he finished with, like, 20, 22? Yeah. So, I mean, like, when stuff like that happens, and you just never know when he's going to be aggressive. He, like, I I'm, I like watching Jalen Brown play, but I feel like he shoots too many threes. 
and he falls in love with it too much. He'll have his night where he hits four to five threes, and he'll have his nights when he's one for six from the threes. Same for Jason Tatum, and the same for the Warriors. But I agree with I just, Jamar. But I agree with Jamar. He's 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 some tiny guys, and they're not on the same page at the same time. And, and if I they feel are, like when they got yeah, no four like, time. That's just the one game they're gonna get. I feel like, like I just, I believe in Jason Tatum, even if he's nine for twenty-one. I just don't believe in Jalen Brown. It's just, it's just harder for me. Like we know who the alpha is, and we know Jalen Brown is the second guy. He can be that second guy. I like him. Like I said, for twenty to twenty-four, but you're gonna need twenty-five, and sometimes he can't even get you twenty-five. That that like. Whether it's him getting to the free throw line or shooting threes, it's just you just he's I I just don't I don't believe in him. I I, I can't. Well, let's just assume that Browns. Let's let's just assume he averages about twenty to twenty four a game in in his finals. That's not enough to win at least two. Assuming that Tatum, you know, pulls his weight. And not not out. not when not when your alpha is inefficient as Jason Tatum. I feel like when Jalen Brown shows up, Jason Tatum won't show up. And then that could be the game they lose. It ain't Jalen Brown fault. Okay. All right. I mean, I, no, you're right. You're right. I see. Because we have seen it before. Okay. All right, Jonah. Go ahead and choose next. Uh, well, no, I, I didn't get Kyrie's. Uh, I didn't get his uh, final predictions. Yeah. Do you um, agree with Anything that Mar is saying, do you do I, you think it goes six or seven, or is it? There's just one, four or five? one point that Mar made that I really agree with, and will definitely be their downfall if they can't get it together. And that's their, their ability to keep leads and to keep teams at arm's length. It, and it's, I'll say this: that's one of the Boston Celtics' biggest weaknesses is hopping onto a big lead and just allowing teams to roar back, and them just not having any answers offensively or any cohesive cohesiveness offensively for stretches of the game that allows teams that, that allows teams to come back. If you're going to do that against the Warriors and the Chase Center when they're at home it, and their crowd starts to get into it and Draymond's getting hyped and Steph Curry's hitting threes, it, it's going to get ugly really fast. So that aspect of, of that Marty brought up, I really agree with. But the whole, I feel like the whole narrative that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum rarely go off at the same time or rarely have good games at the same time has kind of been diminished as the season went on, especially since the second half of the season when Boston's turned it up. If you pay attention, like, really closely during those times when they're losing leads that they've built, or do they just have, like, major cold streaks? Yeah, Jason Tatum's missing some shots. Jalen Brown may be missing some shots. But a lot of those missed shots and those bad, just offensive possessions come from Marcus Smart launching shots. That, and we know he's not an efficient shooter. You have Grant Williams out there falling in love with three-pointers. Even though he could hit them at a high clip, we've seen that. But still, the combination of him and Al Horford and Derek White just all launching threes and just taking quick shots into the shot clock, that really becomes their downfall. And that allows a team like the Golden State Warriors to capitalize and get fast break opportunities to get up and down the court, which is how they want to play. But I I, I don't think that narrative as far as Tatum and Brown not really being able to snap together, I don't think that really stands. And I, I don't think they bring that narrative into the finals. I think they're going to both play well. Um, And I think a big, a big factor of that is Kevon Looney, who we mentioned, is going to be brought out to the perimeter a lot more playing with guys like uh, – playing against guys like Al Horford and Grant Williams, who, like I said, love to, uh, love to uh, shoot the three ball. So with that, I feel like, of course, you still got Draymond, but 
Golden State still lacking some size down there without Kevin Looney. And if he's being bringing out, brought out onto the perimeter, that gives a lot of opportunity for uh, for Tatum and Brown to to get closer shots, to get those mid post touches, to, to get to the rim, which is where they really excel at, and that's and that's how they get to build it. I feel like that's when the Celtics are the best when they're playing smash mouth basketball, basketball, and letting the game come to them. But as far as who I have winning, uh, it's going to go seven games. But the part of me wants to give part of me wants to give the slight edge to Boston, and it's mainly because, and I'm not comparing these two teams in either in any way, but it's mainly because what I've seen them do in the first round to the to the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, where they just made them complete non-factors on the offensive end. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going out there saying that this is, it's a given that Stephen Curry, like Kyrie Irving in that uh, in that first round series, is going to be made a non-factor. Or that Andrew Wiggins is going to go completely cold because of the Boston Celtics defense and how they trap and how they switch and how they, how they just have an active body on everybody at all times. Um, it's definitely going to it's definitely going to uh, be a thorn in their side, and I could definitely see the, the Boston Celtics hanging their hat on that throughout the entirety of the series and um, making guys like Andrew Wiggins work harder, making Jordan Poole work harder, um, capitalizing on the inexperience of Jonathan Kaminga and um, Moses Moody. So, I, I want to give the I want to give the edge to uh to Boston just because of what I've seen them do to two generational talents in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in uh in that first round, and I I think they could bring a lot of those same qualities on the defensive end to Golden State, and uh and, and like I said, hang their hat on it and possibly come out victorious. All right, so that's Johnny and Mar going with the Warriors, Kyrie and Lodge going with the Celtics. Colin, you're the tiebreaker, sir. Yeah, uh, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm the tiebreaker. Uh, like I said, I'm going to go with the, the experience. Uh, I'm going with the experience. I feel like experience, the winner's experience really lets you down. Uh, and then you guys tell me when experience has let you down, the wisdom, you know, uh, I, like I said before, the bench, I don't feel like the Warriors don't really like anything. Besides Kevin Looney, he might be the only weak link uh, in terms of, you know, the starting five compared to the Celtics starting five because their center is, you know, is better than Kevin Looney in my opinion. But I feel like overall Kyrie made some great points and Mar had brought up some key things about Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum too, which, you know, that's definitely something I want to be paying attention to because that's the make it or break it for the Celtics. Mark is smart. I will. I look at the lineup. You. This is something I want to ask you guys. You guys can chime in. How do you feel about Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, guarding Steph Curry? You think he makes it a difficult series for Steph? Definitely on him and Jordan Poole. Okay. Just just about anybody else that plays on the perimeter, he's going to make them work. They were, That's what they were talking about it this morning. Work. They were talking about it this morning, like specifically for the year. Marcus Smart was the best player, like guarding Steph. Got you. And, and that for me, uh, that's the that's the ultimate, you know, because Clay Thompson he came from the Achilles, tore his ACL. I, I'm really not expecting a lot out of him. He's gonna have his burst here and there, but like I said, I feel like the, this team is really experienced. They've been through the, the storms, and that's why I'm gonna give a slight edge to the Warriors. But I feel like the way Marcus Smart plays, how he controls the tempo, bringing up the ball, he's not looking to be a scoring option because he's not a scoring option. He's probably the fourth scoring option, and not even that, uh, barely. But if he plays defense, yeah. like, what'd you say, John? I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Kyle. I'm about to say, go ahead, bro, because I definitely yeah, agree with that. Just, 
they just need Marcus Smart to defend, control the temple, not turn the ball over. And I think, you know, this is like, it's going to be a back and forth haymaker after haymaker. But like I said, I'm going with the Warriors. I'm going to give them a slight edge just because of the experience. One small, one small note I want to add to what Colin said. One small note um, with Marcus Smart. He's like, he, he's definitely the best person on Steph. You know, Steph has been annoyed before. He's seen them all. They're going to pick Marcus Smart's head off. I'm talking screen, 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 screen. So it's gonna, it's, it's all about the help, defense, and rotate. It's not gonna be about Marcus Smart. Oh yeah, of course he'll tag him. They're not gonna let him be great on staff. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna, and, and Marcus Smart, he don't mind chasing. He's gonna get, he's gonna get clipped, and it's gonna have to come down to the help defense. I think. We'll see how interesting that. We'll see how that, how that turns out. All right, Jonan, bring it to the next topic. Oh, sorry about that. So yeah, um, Tatum, Brown, Horford versus Steph, Clay, and Draymond should be exciting. Starts on Thursday night, the NBA Finals. I'm thinking it goes seven games, but that's just me. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna pick a winner, so I'm not gonna mess up the score. But I think it goes seven. So moving on, we're going into contract talks now. We know the season is, you know, wrapping up, which means the off season is right around the corner. Guys are looking to get paid. You know, guys looking to maybe be traded. There's just a lot that's going to happen, but we're going to start the speculation here. DeAndre Ayton, he's uh, he's due to hit free agency this offseason. In 2022, he averaged 17 points, 10 rebounds in 58 games. In the playoffs, he averaged almost 18 points and almost nine rebounds. He's expected to ask for the max deal, which is projected to be about five years, $176 million if he stays with the Suns. If he goes elsewhere, it's projected to be about four years, $131 million. So I'm going to start with Johnny. Do you feel that DeAndre Ayton is worth that kind of max money right now in his career? Um, I don't want to be – I would say yes if this was going to be a I would say, bro, I would say yes if this was the year 1995 and the NBA was still run by Biggie. So there's a pattern I've noticed, guys, over the past couple of years. Um, he's going to be asking for the max. Like you said, um, seven, 17 and 2, that he's clearly no slouch. The thing that stood out to me, guys, uh, two things that stood out to me, and I think that I don't want to get into politics. I don't want to make this thing political, but that's what the world we live in now. It takes our beloved sports and it turns it into politics so much. I think that he will not get the max even though he deserves it, not based off of his numbers, but based off of who he is. He's a center in 2022, and that's very, very tough to get paid, guys. It's very, very tough for big men to get paid nowadays. I think we got – um, I had a stat um, that, that, that really intrigued me. It came out from a, a basketball reference source. It says the four highest players at the center position right now, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic, and Embiid. And I think all of those combined only have one final appearance. Conference. I think that was in B, right? Those other guys didn't even get that far. So that was Jokic. Jokic got the no, 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 no. Jokic at the second round. As a six or oh, seven, I love how Mark just had to correct that conference finals. He did not get that conference finals. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. So they don't get. They don't get. They don't get no love, bro. They, they, they really don't. These are the four, those players I named before, they're the top highest paid big men in the league. But the thing is, 
they don't take their their teams over the hump. So owners and people that are in control of salaries, they're going to transition that money to the guards, to the two ways. This is a different world. It's not a big man control type of league that we live in anymore. And it's not mm-hmm. Aiden's fault. But I think just based off of that, he will he won't get the max. And one other stat that stood out to me, guys, um, I had I did, did, um, it's a stat called uh, win share. Win shares is a player statistic, uh, which the attempts divvy up the credit for a team success. So basically, you're responsible for your team's wins. He averaged, I think he he was he was fourth on his team in win shares behind Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges, and Devin Booker. So that means, like, even his presence isn't as felt on the court as it should be. So those two stats right there, that, that win share stat, that was very interesting to me. As for those 17 and 10, point, uh, 10 boards he was putting up a game, his impact on the court was, was less than that. And on top of that, paying centers isn't really the wave right now. So I do feel bad about that, and that's why I think he will not get it. Mar, do you feel like that's a fair assessment? Do you feel like the league, you know, they don't want to build around centers? Um, you can say that, but I don't. I w- I don't think I wouldn't give him a max. I don't believe he deserves a max. Just for the reason, not even statistics. It's just what I watch, what I see. It's just like. Sometimes you don't even know he's there. I mean, sometimes you can blame it on the offense. You can see that, like, they don't give him the ball. But, some like, when you're a big man, you got to do what Shaq says. You just got to get the ball up, the, like, off the rim. You average 10 rebounds. You got to just keep getting the ball up the rim. And you got to do something. And then once they see that you're cooking, they're going to give you the ball. I just I just don't see it. I want them to be able to do that. Like, I like DeAndre Aiden, but... Last year's, I mean, the finals last year, I mean, that's Giannis, but this year's playoffs, it was just like, like, he was playing Dwight Powell. Nah, that's just just me. Well, all right, let me set up two scenarios for Kyrie and Lige and Colin. Um, Scenario one, let's just say the Suns feel like he's worth it. They're going to pay him the max. Will that be detrimental? And I'll I'll start with Lodge. Would that be detrimental to the Suns in the long run? Or do you feel like, you know, they have every right to pay him? Considering what they they, they have, who else they have due to get paid, which is Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson, which I think they're also, also in two, like, pivotal, like, skill positions they need to have to, to kind of keep themselves in kind of five finals contention and in the future. So I do think it is, it'll, it'll turn out being a, a bad business move if they do pay Aiden the max deal. But I will say about Aiden getting the max, I feel like the 170 may be too high, but I feel like a team will definitely give him that four-year at 131. Great point. I just, I was about to uh, ask that for Kyrie. So assuming that the Suns say you can walk, you know, you can look elsewhere for a contract. Is there a team in the NBA right now who is that desperate for a center that they're willing to cough up $131 million over four years? 
I have three teams, um, and I'm going to make it quick just because it's three teams. The first team is going to be the Houston Rockets simply because they're looking to offload Christian Wood. Um, I know it might be a clunky fit, especially with Sangoon down there, who they, they're kind of favoring in, in, in part of Christian Wood um, as developing as their big man, but Sangoon could play the four. And uh, it'll eventually be able to step to the outside. I think adding a guy like DeAndre Ayton, um, who, again, is, is a double-double threat every night, I agree with Mar. I don't think he gets the ball nearly enough for the type of player that he is for the for a guy I've been watching since he was, since he was in high school. I don't know how dominant Aiden can be and the, the the offensive skill that he has that he doesn't get to show night in and night out and is kind of kept in a box like Bam. How I explained Bam was, but and that also goes hand to hand with team uh with team play. So I definitely think the Houston Rockets uh do that because he fits more of their time span as well anyway in contrast to. Christian Wood, who I think is about five or six years older. Um, the next team will be the Toronto Raptors, who are looking heavily for big men. Uh, they, I know around the trade deadline, they were trying to get Jared Allen, they were trying to get uh, Miles Turner, and they really just wanted a, a certified like big man down there that they could put with Pascal and Scotty and those boys. And uh, I think he could eat there too as well. I, again, a double double threat every night. You have a point guard like Fred Van Vliet that knows how to put – he can score himself but can put the ball in other guys' hands. And uh, a coach like Nick Nurse that's just going to get the absolute best out of you on the defensive end. And uh, the third team I had in mind was uh, – damn, I lost it. I had Houston. I had Toronto. Oh, Detroit. Oh, you like – no, 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 no. Detroit. <laughs> and that's only spicy because – You got to take the spicy team, Doc. What's nah, the spicy team, bro? Dallas. Nah, nah. Well, and, and, and listen, listen, listen. Being being large, definitely been talking. We talked about this. Bro. I know we, I know we talked about it, bro. I know. I thought you guys would have said Knicks, knowing you guys. But I, no, I like, Colin, I, come I, on, bro. Come on, we're not even Colin, on that wing. Colin, right Colin, now. Colin, Colin. Let me finish. Let me finish. I want to take. A, I want to take up all the joint time. The Mavs. I, I I simply don't think it's going to be done because they just lost to them in the playoffs. I think. Bro, that, I that's think dead. That's petty. I think they're that petty that they're going to be like, no, we're not. Or, and even if that were to happen in the sign and trade, the, the, I, I don't feel like the Dallas Mavericks got enough to give to give up for him. I mean, what are you going to unload Burntown's contract and who else? Uh, you could throw my man Greg Bullock. Go ahead in there. Bro, it's not, it's yeah, not enough. Reggie, yeah, it's, it's not, not enough. enough. <laughs> Reggie can definitely go, though, but that's not enough. Reggie can definitely go, though, but that's not enough. Jalen I will say this. I will say this. And me and Elijah talked about it. A tandem, a tandem of Luka Doncic and DeAndre Hayward, who were funnily enough drafted in the same year. I think down the line, that could be one of the nastiest tandems in the league, especially if the Dallas Mavericks use that big man right. We've seen them not really have, have the luck with Chris Porzingis and them kind of go towards the whole small ball trend that the whole league is turn, turning towards. But I think if you throw DeAndre Ayton in there, give Luca a, a steady target to throw the ball to, and to give him some breathe, some breathing room, some breath, like I think that could really work out. But the reason I said the Detroit Pistons is because, uh, mainly that the fact that they're trying to get rid of Jamie Grant, same kind of situation with Christian Wood in Houston. He doesn't fit their timeline, and he's worth a lot of money. So I think if you throw him in there with a Cade, a Killian Hayes, um, you you so you build. You got the fifth pick in the draft this year, even though you're projected top three. But you still can you can still put some pieces around that. And again, he fits their he kind of fits their time span. So uh, yeah, th- those are a couple teams right there. I definitely can see Aiden going to because uh, I don't see him going back to Phoenix. 
I heard there was some beef between him and Monty Williams. We seen that kind of blatantly in the last game where he refused to play him. And uh, he was kind of curt about it in the, in the post-game press conference when he was asked about it. He didn't really seem interested in talking about it. So I think that relationship is done. Um, and I think those those four teams I just named, I think those would be the front runners to grab them. Now, there's one more team I had in mind. And, Colin, I'm going to ask you about this team, a team that has, you know, their cap room, a team that's looking for a big man, as well as the Pistons and the other teams that Kyrie have mentioned. The Portland Trailblazers. What about ah, Portland? I, I, I Dame, Dame Lillard, DeAndre Ayton is is seeing. That's another great spot. See, see, I would love that if we're saying Zach Levine's coming aboard because at the end of the day, like I, you know, because like I said, I'm not doubting it. Though that would be a good destination spot. I had the Hornets in mind. Lamelo and him would be deadly. Uh, I had that in mind too. But the Portland. I just feel like is Damian Lillard and DeAndre Ayton enough to take the Portland to the finals? I mean, if you throw in Zach Levine, that's a big three right there. They even have the money like to get all three. I think, I think that's like what the Trailblazers are looking to do is either grab somebody like Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant and maybe another star. Um, they might have to settle with, with Chris. I would prefer Jer- uh, Jeremy Grant, but the Pistons, if they're smart, they wouldn't give Jeremy Grant up. Because, you know, they got, like, he's still young. He's 28. He's still young. Uh, but, you know, you can see what happens this upcoming season with him, the fifth the fourth, the fifth pick the Pistons uh, get, and see where they can work with that in the free agency. But Portland, uh, I, I like it. Damian Lillard and Aiden, that would be a nice one-two combo. I just feel like, you know, at this point, Damian wants to win the championship. Is Aiden enough to get him that championship? If you throw Zach Levine, now we're talking. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it, though. Go ahead, Jonas. All right, and, and one final question on Aiton uh, before we move on. Um, if he does leave and the consensus is that he, he will likely will leave, uh, how how big of a blow would it be to Phoenix? Does this hurt their title hopes for next year? Who could they find to replace him? This is open to anyone to answer, by the way. Famous hopping. Um, I feel like it all depends on who they replace him with. I mean, Gobert will play the peanut. That's and that's it. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the that's the only that's the one scenario I was about to bring up, and that was something I was reading about earlier. Possibly swapping him with the Rudy Gobert. That kind of does fit Phoenix's, I guess, style better because you're giving Chris Paul an, uh, another like vertical threat, another great live threat. And he's a better defender. He's a better rim protector than Aiden is. But at the same time, you're still losing. With Rudy Gobert in comparison to DeAndre Aiden, you're losing uh, some ability to create his own bucket, which can kind of hinder the yeah. Suns. I don't see that. I don't see that being a move that necessarily pushes them over the edge. I think Phoenix is going to try to move towards a uh, like a, a like a smaller lineup. I just see like I just feel like that's what the league is trending towards now. Um, because we've seen Rudy Gobert get exposed in the first round, being too big and not being able to close out on guys shooting, not being able to contain guards around the perimeter. So, uh, I do that. See, I do see that being an option though, but I don't think that takes them over the top. I agree. I don't think it takes them over the top. I just, I, Rudy's the first thing that hopped in my head because I know he'll come cheaper. But I don't. But like you said, it's a gift and a curse because you're you get you get them at a cheaper price, but you also get what you pay for it. 
all very valid points. So I want to move on from one contract situation to another. James Harden, he is also due for a max contract. I mean, he has he's on a, he's on the option right now. That so guy. He's eligible for a five-year, $269 million max deal. That That's just an outrageous figure. But, you know, that's what he's worth over, you know, the course of his career. That's oh, he's not worth it. Well, well, you know, that's what he's projected to be worth, at, at least. So this is just an open floor question. Anybody not going to go in any particular order? Um, does anyone – <laughs> Does anyone pull the trigger on this deal? Yo, if you guys give him that deal, <laughs> bro, Jonah Collins, y'all know how I feel. And be slime. No, listen, I might, yo, I, I already like, said that he I might stop being the Sixers fan. I ain't going to lie. That would eat me alive. Listen, Mark Harden. Harden, that was your man's. That that was your guy. What, what you think? Give a personal recommendation. You give him that contract, bro. <laughs> bro, I think once that bro, so when, bad, when he came before he came to our team, I said I don't know what team this man fits on. I don't know where he's gonna play because uh, I just know. don't know where he fits. Shooting high sharks, <laughs> and then. When y'all got him, and then it's, I see what he did with us, and then y'all got him. I was just curious on what he was gonna, how he was gonna play with Joel. Was he gonna do a pick and roll? Was he gonna? I was just curious. And then you see what he did, and uh, Max. No, there's no way. There's no. There's no way I can depend on Chris Paul to give me twenty points before James Harden, and they're like six years, six years apart. And I, I, I honestly don't get that considering the emergence of Tyrese Maxey. Like I would be throwing all the money at him. Thank you. Throwing all the money at Thank you. Like he's got Max in his name for a reason. He's gonna be a Max player one day. Like, oh yeah. Oh, that was not cool. to butt in. Not to butt in. But I'm telling you, you, you built around Maxi. I love Joel Embiid. I love him. I love him. I love him. But you built that team. All right. And absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and can I just? And, and I just Call me crazy, just, but hey. and, He's not lying, dude. And I, I just want to drop this one number in real fast. These are the guys in the past who the Sixers have paid. We gave Ben Simmons 26 mil. We gave Gerald Henderson mm. 18 mil. We gave Danny Green 20 mil. We didn't gave we didn't gave Elton Brand 61 million dollars. Y'all remember that year? Well, I yeah. mean, I remember that. Like, bro, can we just don't forget Al Horford to buy it? Oh, can we just stop? And Matt Geiger, I think they still the paid him for a while after he left. Can we just stop? The jail hit us. Oh, for real, though. Bro, how many, oh, my and, God. Bro, he went Bob, back. Bob, he did a whole throwback. Can they just stop? Can, can the Sixers just learn their lesson? Alec, it's too many players that's robbed them. Let's not do it again. And, and another thing, if y'all pay hard in that much, like, it's gonna it's gonna handicap y'all from trying to if if it comes down to it, try to trade him from down the line because nobody's gonna take that contract. We can't even get a with, bench. The, with the type of decline that he's been having. We couldn't even get a bench if we honestly gave him that type. If we would really, what bench would we have? If we it'd probably be the bench same. Bench. All over y'all gonna be in the same position as the Lakers with Russell Westbrook. Bench Simmons all over again. Oh my god. Now it's worth noting that. Harden does have the option. He has a player option to just, you know, 
play for one more year for about $50 million. And then he can, you know, try to raise his stock and maybe well, I mean, get a higher figure. I mean, he's he's 32 years old. Does he even play another five years if he were to no, get a five-year deal? Uh, well, not, not, not in the same uniform. Not with his lifestyle he does off the court. You know, you know he, he'd be busy. Oh, please. Let's say that. <laughs> Was it Harden able to sign? Wasn't he able to sign off on a contract earlier this season, but declined it? It, it, So, how much was that for? I can't remember how much that was for. He would have made less. I know it would have been been less, but I don't think it was too much less. I can't remember how much it would have been. He's going for every penny and dime and nickel. And and I just feel like, and he already heard it at the press conference. He said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to. So much. Uh, listen, if Elton Brand is, well, I said Elton Brand. Doc Rivers said he was coming back. Whoop-dee-woo. What a guy. Uh, yeah, I don't have any expectations for next season. I, I really don't. I don't even know what direction to get five years from now. Trade away these first-round picks. I said it before. I hate it so much. You picked up Maxie in the 20s. You picked up Matisse Tybull. You picked up some gentlemen the late first round, you cannot give away those first round picks to James Harden with my man in shape, what, 2018, 2019? Like, listen, man, the Sixers have broke me, man. Like, they, they could go and get Bradley Bill this summer, and I, I couldn't even be excited for the next season because it's just like, that's why I really, I'm broken. I'm broken, I'm, man. It's the second round at the second round at the second round exit. I don't because know. Because these are moves that should have been made. Bradley Bill was available. He didn't like but, Washington. But, but Bradley Bill was pretty well that. Like, days after we traded for him, I guess, did we dodge a bullet, you know, with that? I don't know, but he tore his ACL not too long after we traded for Harden. So I can't really say, I guess we dodged a bullet with that one. So. Uh, like, like oh, that's I, just I'm, looking forward that's to the I'm looking forward to the Eagles. That's all. Go birds, right? Go well, birds. I mean, if he does, you know, pick up his option and decide to just play one more year here, is there any way he could get any of his value back? I know the hamstring. You know, he'll have the whole summer to heal that hamstring. He just has to stay. Can in he have a resurgence? That's all. Listen, 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 listen. This is what you guys will be expecting from James Harden if he comes back next season. And I'm not even. About to, I'm not even disrespecting or nothing. He'll play. He'll play. He'll play fifty to. He'll play fifty to sixty games for you. That's not. Uh, he'll put up anywhere from I'll say eighteen to twenty-one a game. Yeah. He'll get you about six, seven boards. He'll get you about eight or nine dimes. Am I saying? And that's not bad by any means. Listen, but it's not. It's not twenty fifteen hard. But at the same time, listen, his, tur- his turnover numbers are going to keep going up. He's not the same three-point shooter he, he's been. He can't make those threes off the step back. He can't make those threes off the moves. He doesn't have the blow-by ability anymore. So, so thanks for he's gonna really how useless he is, Kyrie. Thanks for showing us how useless now, he is. I'm not describing how useless he is. I'm describing you're going to get a lot of the same qualities of James Harden that we've seen over the years, but a lot of things are diminishing. That's what you have to keep in mind. No, he's Again, crazy. his athleticism, his efficiency, that's all diminishing. He's still going to put up numbers. He's James Harden. Like I said, I'm not disrespecting No, he's not James Harden. He, I, I it'll be ugly. Numbers. He'll he's have James Harden since 2018, buddy. I don't know what James Harden you seeing now. Yeah, I'm, So you're telling me he can't, he can't give you 18 points a game still? 
with like eight, eight or nine but dimes. Not, but that's is that worth two hundred ninety? That would be a step down. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm not saying this in in reference to the money or anything. I'm just saying this is what y'all can expect to get from him, straight numbers wise. And that's massively disappointing. And, 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 and honestly, and honestly, I don't, I don't even have him down that consistently. He'll give us 18 points a game, maybe for like a month, but he's gonna dip from that too next month. He's, he's that on and off. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely gonna be on a month by month basis. He, he's gonna be hot and cold. But if you sign him to that contract, you know this already. The Sixers know all of this already. That's the thing. Well, don't worry. We're we're we just got bad management, you know, not as bad as the Kings, of course, but we got bad management. So. Yeah. Oh, you can't say that when Chris not here, man. <laughs> well, you know, he's a Nuggets fan now. It doesn't apply to him. He's oh, really? Crack it up. Yeah. He's a Nuggets fan now. He's a Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, he is a certified diehard Nuggets fan since 2009. We have, listen, these, we we have to sanction yep. these types of things. You can't just keep jumping from bus to bus. We have to sanction these types. Hey, hey, man. Nuggets, I hear that. Any more Nuggets fans in here? No? All right. Well, let's rant. Colin, are you still OKC fan, Colin? Oh, that's yes, that's I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hey, yo, I yes. love SGA, bro. They ain't going to say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Oh, you the first time I met you, Colin, yes, the first time I met you, you were an OKC fan. I was a Sixers and OKC fan. I know that. That's oh still my team. I was a Sonics fan, but I was an OKC fan too. Uh, yeah, man I, said yeah. Oh, he gonna pull the Sonic. Like, hey, listen, I'm taking. Listen, I'm not no phony. I'm not no one trick. Hey, yeah. Just like you know, <laughs> laid back. Since I was a little kid, man. Since I was young. All right. But let, that concludes episode 63 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I want to give a big shout out to Joni. Thanks a lot for meeting in this episode. I'm sure the, the viewers are definitely yes, lucky. And thanks a lot for Lodge, Kyrie, Lamar, and Johnny, especially you guys. Appreciate you guys for coming on, making this episode exciting. Hopefully, the viewers appreciate and enjoy as much as we did recording this. And we will definitely be more consistent. Be in tune for the next episode. It will be an NFL episode. We will drop and then. After that, you can also follow us on Instagram. The link is inside the description. All every episode is on every platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Anchor, etc. Ready for Android or iPhone, you can tune into it, and we are free, no charge too. So thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget in. to follow us on Instagram too. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram. That will be under the whole description with uh, the link to the episode. So thanks a lot for tuning in. We enjoy it and have a great day, everyone.